Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast episode 66, Chelsea, Far From Goal. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. Like Chelsea, we are decimated with COVID as Jack misses out this week. But I'm joined by a very good guest, Carefree Jam, part of the Chelsea Social. He has been on the podcast many times. Jam, how are we doing? All good, my friends. All good. Um, I mean, I say that. The world's kind of on fire at the moment. Um, And so is Chelsea a little bit. (laughs) So, yeah, good for all of that going on, I guess. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. As I said, mentioned on uh, recent pods, yeah, stick with us on December because it's going to be quite interesting what's going on with Chelsea. And it seems like every single week there is something, something crazy going on. Uh, but before we get into it, as I always do with guests, Jam, you're part of the Chelsea Social. You've got your own, you know, pro- profile on Twitter where you make your videos, etc. Why don't you tell people where they can find you and where they can find all the work the Chelsea Social are doing? Yeah, thanks, Nick. So you can find me on at carefree underscore jam on Twitter. Uh, TikTok these days and Instagram although I'm not that kind of TikToker I just upload whatever I was going to put up on the other ones anyway um, and obviously yeah like you said I, I am one of the co-owners of the Chelsea Social uh, so you can find us on at the Chelsea Social on Twitter uh, Instagram and on YouTube even though we're not doing a lot of stuff on there at the moment um, also one of the co-owners for the CFCW Social too so that's the the Chelsea women's team so you can check us out in that too. Yeah, all those links will be in the description below. And I say Jam and all the guys at Chelsea Social and Chelsea Women Social do a brilliant job in putting out content for all you guys to read. And I said, we've had quite a lot of people from Chelsea Social. And so as you can imagine, we've got quite a good, good rapport going there. Right. It's been a lot to talk about since we last spoke. Last time the pod happened was Leeds United at home. A lot has changed since then. A lot has happened in the world of football, COVID, etc. But we're going to start off 
I was going to say with some, you know, relatively no normality and, you know, easy peasiness, but uh, the Champions League draw actually had to be done twice. So, you know, I can't, you kind of forget that all that farcical nonsense, <laughs> you know, at the beginning of, of, of last week. But uh, yeah, Jam, the Champions League draw happened on Monday. Uh, we got Lille twice. So we're playing Lille in the Champions League. Obviously, we came second in our Champions League group. Fair to say the best draw we could have got. Yeah, we got the best draw twice. So happy about that. Um, I was literally sitting there because I, I had a day off so I, I got to watch it I had the pleasure of watching that spectacle uh, twice and I had the same feeling twice I was thinking just don't get by Munich I can handle Real Madrid even though they're in form I could obviously handle Ajax more than them even though they're in form and I was thinking we've just got to get Lil otherwise it's been a disaster and you know you've got some people in the timeline bless them saying oh yeah well we have to beat these guys anyway nonsense this is a cup competition you want to get lucky and if you want to go on all five fronts that we've got this season then you need a bit of luck you need some easy games around the hard games otherwise it's going to be a wrap so I'm really happy we've got Lil to be honest um but yeah they they need to work on how they fix things don't they yeah Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and as I say, you know, the benefit of getting all some of the big teams could knock the other big teams out, you know, exactly. It's kind of, you know, if they can do some of their work for us, PSG did, did you know, did, did God's work last year, knocking Bayern out for us. So huge thanks to them last year. And, you know, if we can have similar favours this year round. Yeah, and obviously Lille was the draw we all wanted. Uh, also, you know, Lille are 11th in Ligue 1. Obviously, they were champions last year, but a lot has gone on there. Their manager has left to go to Nice, and I believe Nice are fourth now. Um, but yeah, Lille are a long way off the pace. They're 20 points off the top in league and um so it is a favorable draw they obviously have good players but also i think there's a lot of excitement pre what we've just seen going on this week but people thought okay you know a nice little european trip you know not too far to go to be a nice european away day for many people do i mean most of my timeline is basically book leal already and we're basically you know pretty much everyone was going so good luck getting a ticket when tickets do go out for that but yeah everyone was pretty happy with with what was going on you know with leal and you know i guess at that point we thought like okay you know, things are off to a good start. We'd just beaten Leeds at the weekend, you know, about got that last-minute injury time win. Life was feeling pretty good. We got Lille, you know, Champions League draw, and everything was going quite smooth. Obviously, you know, then uncertainty creeps in. Premier League games getting called off. A lot of Premier League games getting called off. Uh, Jamal game with Everton wasn't called off, and to be fair, we can't really complain. You know, in hindsight, we can, but at the time, looking at that Everton squad, we really can't complain. Uh, but we did Chelsea, and we balls it up, and we drew 1-1. Um just quick thoughts, like that game was probably one of the most frustrating games this season. Yeah, so the only other game that I got annoyed at was uh, when we lost to Juventus 1-0. And even that was within reason because, you know, we, we had just lost our first game of the season, the game before against Man City. And then it was it was just an off day. You know, they scored one freak goal and then they sat behind the ball. So I got annoyed, but it was within reason. You know, I forgot about it basically after my review. Um, the next day, let's just say, because it was a late game. This game, however, <laughs> I've been running my mouth for ages saying, we always slap Everton. It's going to be 4-0. I don't care who plays. They're rubbish. I've been watching their games. Oh, my God. And then during the game, I'm thinking, we're hammering them here. In the first half, we're hammering them here. We're about to score. I just have patience. It was wearing thin, but I have patience. We missed sitter after sitter after sitter, and it got to nil-nil at, at half-time. And I just thought, I even tweeted, I said, yeah, do you know what? We are just, go we're going to score. Like, it's fine. And, and that we did. But then they scored. And 
Oh, mate, I was absolutely fuming. I mean, I don't know what you thought about it. Well, I do know what you thought, but I mean, <laughs> just what did you think about the game anyway? Oh, mate, look, my, I can't lie. You know, my sense of full time was like, if this is the last game I see at Stanford Bridge for a while, I'm going to be fuming. And it's going to be because of one individual who we will get onto in a bit because he actually sort of redeemed himself a bit against Wolves. But yeah, it was frustrating. It was um, chance after chance missed. I mean, Jordan Pickford, who, you know, seems just decided to have a really good game against us. For, you know, I say for once, it seems like he does seem to have good games against us, albeit the last two times we have, let's say, been Everton at Stamford Bridge very comfortably. So, I don't, as you said, I was also very confident we would win and looking at that Everton side as well. Um, yeah, it was frustrating. And I'll be honest, I thought 1-0, I was like, right, now we go on. Now we probably get a second late on. We get, you know, a, a, not a scrappy, but a 2-0 win, which is, you know, probably a fair reflection of what goes on. Um, and then, yeah, we just conceded a really soft goal from a, from a guy who I think was probably scored his first first ever goal, uh, if I'm correct. And I'm pretty sure I'd never heard of him before before he was announced in the Everton lineup. Um, yeah, it was frustrating. And then as soon as Everton scored, I knew we were done. I knew we weren't scoring again because I've seen enough football. <laughs> I know that that game we were only probably scoring one, uh, maybe max two, we get a second late on. But I've seen enough football to know that we weren't scoring again just the way that game went. And it was very frustrating. And at that point, I was like, yeah, the title's done. The title's done because yeah. Liverpool had won, City had won. And I was thinking, oh, God. It was it was frustrating. And that was probably the most down I've, down, that down I've been about a result this season. Probably even worse than West Ham. On West Ham, I was very annoyed that we somehow conspired to lose that one. But it was uh, it was incredibly frustrating. You know, chance after chance missed. And they say it was just, yeah, there's only so much Thomas Tuchel can do if the players are missing all those chances. I mean, Mount did get the goal. We will give, you know, it's a nice ball from Reese. Mount, a good finish. Uh, but both of those missed absolute guilt-head chances in the first half as well. And yeah, that game should have been beyond doubt. But that's football and that's Chelsea. And I don't know what the stats are, but, um, you know, that's 1-1 draw against United despite, you know, dominating. 1-1 draw against Burnley despite dominating. 1-1 draw against Everton at home despite dominating. Three home draws. Uh, out of our last four, obviously the at home that is, um, and the Leeds game we won in injury time. So uh, home form is a bit of a worry. That was kind of one of my takeaways. You now, if you want to be winning a Premier League title, you've got to have pretty good home form, and uh, that is, you know, at the moment not the best. Eighteen points from nine, five wins, three draws, one loss isn't the greatest for a team that's wanting to go for the league. Uh, and yeah, it was guess just at that point. I guess reality check. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom in the timeline, and rightly so. And look, obviously their goal, you know, that was a culprit responsible. Salmiguez did not, you know, mark his man, lost his man, whatever. Played him on side. He kind of had a, a stinker. He had a Hall of Famer shocker. Uh, it was quite interesting. Obviously, he was bought on as a sub at nil nil. Uh, him and Barkley. There was a lot of jokes coming on. There's that tweet after the game. Uh, two idiots have run on the pitch, and there's that screenshot of Barkley and Saul uh, <laughs> coming on. And I was like. It's it's mean, but yet that that kind of floats my boat humour wise. So so I'll give that a retweet. But yeah, it was uh, it was frustrating. Barkley decided that he needed to do infinite stepovers to to essentially do nothing. Uh, you know, got to got to look stylish when I'm offering absolutely nothing. You know, all about aesthetics and all that. I guess. Um, yeah, Sal Sal was introduced as a false nine, which was interesting. <laughs> Pulisic went to left wing back. I was like, okay, what's? I was like, he's bringing Sal on left wing back, and I was like, no, nope, Pulisic has gone left wing back. We got Sal playing false nine. Well, he wasn't a false nine. He was a false player on there. Uh, on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, Thursday night against Everton. Uh, so, yeah, it wasn't good. It was very depressing, to be honest. And it was just, yeah, I was like, God, Chelsea, please don't be the last football I see, you know, before it goes behind closed doors. Whoever will go behind closed doors, we'll have to see. Because obviously, you know, they've decided they want to keep playing at the moment. Probably we'll get onto that as well in a minute. But yeah, that was one all. That was Everton. Uh, that left us four points off the pace. 
not the end of the world, but not ideal, but going to Wolves. And obviously people won't know this, but I didn't think I would be recording an episode this weekend or certainly an episode discussing Wolves because I hadn't even bothered talking a guest with the Wolves game because I was convinced to be called off. Because Chelsea had positive tests, Jam. We had more positive tests, but we didn't meet the threshold because we still employ Ross Barkley and Malang Sar at this football club. So we had four outfield players on the bench along with two goalkeepers as we headed to Molyneux for that Wolves 0-0. Um, that was really boring. <laughs> What, I mean, what did everyone expect? You know, the Premier League want to be the most entertaining league in the world, the best league in the world, and they want that game to go on. Nil-nil, have that. <laughs> Literally, that is what they wanted, no? I mean, I, I'm so annoyed, man. I, I'm still convinced that there are some sort of... There, people say an agenda, and it's hard to disagree. An agenda against Chelsea, that is. I mean, they're double standards, man. I swear Norwich got their game postponed with like three or four players out. I swear that was the case. And bear in mind, we weren't really able to go to under-23s because there was an, uh, an outbreak there, wasn't there? So, uh, yeah, I believe that was maybe, well, I think that might have been slightly initial problem. The Leeds Chelsea game was called off due to like precautionary reasons. But I do think, you know, at the time, I think obviously Chelsea have actually now today called up a lot of under-23 players. But obviously yeah. maybe at the time, Chelsea were thinking, we'll just, you know, give it a delay. We'll just see what happens. Because I look, Chelsea didn't want that game to go ahead. So maybe there was yeah. not... Uh, they're forward planning for Chelsea thinking, oh, actually, this game will go ahead. We'll call some under-23s up. I think Chelsea were yeah. quite confident that the game will get called off. But obviously, now it is a poor oversight. But yeah, as I say, it was, yeah, the Wolves game was uh, was not great. But continue what you were saying. Oh, bro, it, it wasn't great. And we we got, we suffered in the first half. And that's what we expected. You know, we didn't have any control in the midfield. We didn't have much pace out wide. And we didn't have someone that could hold the ball up front. You know, our attack was pretty woeful in that game. And uh, it was it was just, of course, that was going to happen. Like, how often did you see our centre-backs have the ball and just look and go, there's nothing I could do here. Turn back and pass it. We didn't really have people offering up in the midfield. And that's just how Wolves played too. I've got to say, I think they played us quite well. Um, you know, they'll go away from that game thinking, damn, we could have won this game. That was our best chance to beat Chelsea. It really was. And maybe they they may have edged it a little bit in the first... Well, they did edge it in the first half. And we edged it in the second half. Um, I, I, I've got to say his name. And look, I don't hate the guy, but Pulisic, look, you're playing up front and it's a hard role. You're not a UFC fighter the way that we ask you to play sometimes is that of a UFC fighter. Do you know what I mean? You're not Romelu Lukaku. You are Christian Pulisic. Five foot nine, weigh about 60 kg. Fair enough. But... Some of the decision-making, there's no excuse of where you're playing on the pitch. I'm sorry. The amount of times in both games, by the way, he turns up, he looks up, and I know we've got a different perspective from the TV, but he looks up and wants to dribble. If he just gets his head up, it should be an innate ability for a professional footballer of his age now to just get your head up, have a quick look, half a second, know where your, your, your teammates are. If he would have done that, we would have scored earlier against Everton. There was a chance where he could easily have just slipped in two players at the back post. I think it was maybe in Mount and Alonso. It was something like that. They were both running in at the back post. He didn't do it. He got a foul because they, they took him out, of course. It was dangerous. It happened against Wolves as well a few times where he could have just laid the ball off and then we've got an attack. Considering they were sitting all their players behind the ball, we would have had a counter-attack. He didn't do it. He got fouled because he took too long. And then he didn't take his chance, the big chance to to score, which, you know, when you look at it, look back at it, the keeper's done well. 
it's disappointing because he's a goal scorer. So he'll look at that and be annoyed at himself. I'm not going to grill him too much for that. I'm just going to grill him for his decision making. And the frustration's already up with him because he's never available. So, you know, he's not starting from zero. He's starting from, you need to prove yourself now. So that's why I'm a bit onto him. But other than that, I think it was a hard job. So I'm not going to keep going on about it. But I just have to say that. Also, Mount in the last two games, I don't think he's been that great. I think he had a good second half against Everton. The first half, I called it a stinker. People didn't dis- didn't agree with me, but things weren't working for him. And I think against Wolves, again, in bits, things weren't working, but he was the most likely player to actually do something. Um, other than N'Golo Kante, um, who, was, who I thought was pretty good, considering he'd been out for so long. He came in um, and he, he, he obviously activated his Infinity Stone head because... He was playing well and, you know, he, he was probably man of the match along with Silva, who can't put a foot wrong. Um, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, look, the front three was the same front three that played against Everton. That was, you know, second consecutive start for Christian Pulisic in the Premier League. Uh, Hakim Ziyech got a start. I thought, look, I'll go back to Everton. I thought Ziyech in the first half was decent against Everton. Uh, you know, there were a couple of nice moments from him, you know, especially that one where he just dummied the ball, let it go and then picked up. Uh as I said, second half he disappeared. And I'll be brutally honest against Wolves, I forgot Hakim Ziyech was on the pitch. I genuinely, I think there's a moment in commentary they mentioned him on board and I was like, oh, right, yeah, he's, he's involved. Um, and I didn't really remember him doing anything else for the rest of the game, yeah. Uh, the front three weren't great and we have got some questions on, on Mount and, and Ziyech, which, uh, sorry, Ziyech and Pusic, we will get into. But as I said, I'll probably get into Pusic for more, but also I'm wary. He's playing in a false nine position in a Chelsea team with a bit of COVID, which isn't probably in the greatest headspace right now, i.e. trying to get the Wolves game called off. Uh, I'm not going to like really judge him too much from these two games. And if people, I don't think these two games should really be like a turning point for people on Pulisic, you know, given this isn't, he's not been playing in his, his natural position, I guess. You know, I think if you've got like an opinion on Pulisic, whether he's good enough, whether it probably was before this, these two games, and maybe these two games just heightened your dislike for the player. Uh, or, you know, whatever. But yeah, it, it's an interesting one with Pusic. I think it's quite hard to, to judge. But, we'll, you know, I want to focus on the positive of Wolves. Obviously, Silva was brilliant again. Uh, we got a clean sheet again, which was nice. You know, it's been a while since we got a clean sheet. Is it coincidence we get a clean sheet when Kante comes back? Who knows? But Jam, Saul came on at half time, And most of us at the time were thinking, oh, God, <laughs> what, are, what are we doing? But obviously, Trevor got an injury. He'd started the game in midfield. Uh, but fair play to Sal. I mean, he kept it simple. I didn't think he had to do anything. He did anything, you know, excellently but he didn't do really anything wrong uh and he, he was I guess just a solid presence in there I mean maybe there's one time he gave the ball away sloppily I think but other than that he was pretty solid and you know we, we for the large part of that second half we were in control in terms of possession it's just we did absolutely nothing with that possession which is more a common theme of of watching Chelsea in recent weeks yeah spot on I mean Saul came on and I, I had my head in my hands I thought if he drops what he did against Everton now then it's, you know, this is going to be a wrap. I think they played differently. So Everton, fair play to them. They had legs. So they did press us where they needed to. Um, and I think Wolves in the second half, I don't know if it's because of the way we were playing, they didn't really press him. So he had a lot of time and space to do what he wants. And that's what he wants. Ultimately, when he when he gave him that, he can do a few bits and pieces. And he, he met, you can tell from his play that he just wanted to keep it simple. Because, yeah, you, you alluded to it. The one time that he then decided to be a bit adventurous with it, I think he had a bit of space to carry the ball into. That's when they, they, they lured him into a trap and just two players, whack. And then they counterattacked us. And I, I thought 
it was going to be a typical goal against Chelsea in the transition, and I was going to go mad. I was I was getting ready. I was, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, mate. I was gonna press the red button and I was gonna appear in Wolverhampton and blow up. That, that's <laughs> that's how annoyed I was. I, I was already annoyed before they even scored. But anyway, other than that, look, it has to be a confidence builder for him because he's had some stinkers and he, he's coming to this game. He's shored up the midfield. We have improved uh, partly due to him. So he, he needs to look at that and just take that on the chin and think, yeah, okay. Hopefully, if we do play this game against Brentford, hopefully he gets a start in that game and can build on that. So, you know, hopefully he goes from strength to strength. I personally don't like him still because I think, and obviously this is not him as a, as a, as a person, but as, as a player, I, I just don't think, strangely enough, he has the physicality for this league in terms of aggression. And I thought he had strength, but he, he just doesn't seem to have it. So... You know, if you're going to go up against bodybuilders every other week, it's not going to work. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens with him. But hopefully he can build on that. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, was, you know, not really much to take away from these, you know, first these last two games. Obviously, Everton, there was a lot to take away from, but we still can't finish goals. But we kind of knew that already. It's just incredibly frustrating, but it happened again. Uh, whereas Wolves, you know, it was... Wolves was one of those, you know, obviously both, you know, Wolves was the second draw in a row, meant we went six points behind City at the top. But it was Wolves, obviously, you know, oddly, I was a lot happier with that Wolves, you know, result than the Everton one. I guess that may be down to maybe my expectations have slightly shifted now due to what's going on, etc. And we will kind of get into that fact that, you know, the Premier League still want games to be played with COVID, even if it means you're down to, what, 14 players or whatever. And, you, you know, you are really saturating the quality of the Premier League but I guess that's what they want to do and you know Chelsea are probably going to have to pay the price for it although you know fingers crossed the Villa game will be called off I mean Villa had their game postponed at the weekend you know will they have enough will those you know have enough you know I guess negative cases for the game to go ahead on Boxing Day we will have to wait and see but we'll I guess we can kind of get into this general discussion of you know COVID and you know the league etc with what we're going to get into in the questions and the first question comes in for Travis who goes what argument could you give for the match going ahead Plenty of reasons why I shouldn't have, but interested to hear if you have any suggestions why it was acceptable to go ahead. Great question. Well, from the Premier League's point of view, they're probably thinking of the fixture pile-up and they don't really want to have to sort that out. My rebuttal to that straight away is that they're going to already have fixtures piling up. So one more game, considering we played all games possible, wasn't an issue in that sense. Other than that, you know, it, it kind of makes you think the money side of things. They want to be on TV as much as possible. Other leagues aren't having their games cancelled, so maybe there's a bit of embarrassment there. That's all I can think of. You know, it, it's, it's, I can't think of any other reasons. I don't know about you, Nick. Yeah, the irony being is we weren't even the televised game in the UK yesterday, so it's not like we're losing out from from UK. It wasn't like it was the Sky game. It wasn't our past Super Sunday or anything. But yeah, it's interesting. Look, the only reason, like, I was kind of like not happy it went ahead because I didn't want it to go ahead because it's ultimately, you know, it going ahead has had a negative impact on us, I think. But the only reason was the late notice of it all. And, you know, as a fan, as someone who goes to games, I can obviously relate to to the struggles people oh, yeah. go, go into the games. And for people to be on their journey, for it to be called off, would be incredibly annoying and frustrating. So in a way for them, I was happy it went ahead. Um, that's like from a fan, like point of me, just being like the completely, I don't, I don't want to say selfish because I think it's selfish, you know, selfish is too strong a word, you know, for the fans who wanted it to go ahead. But I just think, you know, from that point of view, for it to go ahead, I didn't mind. 
you looked at our lineup, like, I guess you look at our lineup on paper, you can say, okay, yeah, that team is good enough to go and get a result. It's, we've, you know, we can field a team. But the issue I think that gets forgotten from that is Kante's just back from injury and we're playing him when we don't want to be playing him. Kovacic is on the bench and he's not fit to play really, but we're having to play him. There were, it felt like we, we could put bodies there, but that's because they didn't have COVID. But we weren't actually, you know, they're not fully fit to play. They're not, we wouldn't want to be playing them. Jorginho in the end, I think, has, you know, had positive and negative tests and then since did a PCR that was negative. So he might, could have played, but Chelsea, you know, just being safe, decided, no, we won't play you. You can, you know, don't travel with us. And I think this is the issue that we're getting at is, I feel Chelsea have almost been punished for being sensible with it all. And we're being punished for having a big squad of players that aren't going to be, shouldn't, you know, who wouldn't normally play for us. I know the Premier League aren't in charge of who we sign. You know, they're not very, you know, they didn't sign Ross Bartley for us or Malang Sar for us. And we've got them in our squad and Sar has played earlier in the season. So obviously I get their argument that we've not met the threshold. But I think the issue is, is we're playing is you are seriously diluting the quality of this league. And ultimately, it could easily get to a stage where if, if an enormous, you know, if this Omicron thing's not going away, sorry to get all COVID red, if it's not going away, this league could end up basically being decided by who gets the least COVID cases, whose squad is least depleted, which kind of takes away the whole sporting integrity of it and kind of just leaves like a cloud over it. Because, you know, we've seen Liverpool yesterday, no Van Dijk, their midfield, I think no Henderson, their Tyler, young Tyler Morton playing in midfield. They're, they're affected not as badly as us, I don't think. They're still effective. Obviously, their squad's perhaps not as strong as ours. Again, obviously, I read a different argument, but it's still showing, you know, they're playing their games not at a full squad. And someone like City, who maybe, who I don't think are that badly affected, I think Carl Walker's very only case, they can kind of, it gives them like an opportunity to kind of pull away a bit. And you're kind of just going, would this happen if everything was like, you know, everyone was fully fit? And when you've got a game week going ahead with four fixtures, is that really make sense? Should there be a cutoff if three games get called off and all of them get called off? There's different arguments for it because obviously then teams have got games in hand. I mean, Spurs have got games in hand. And you'd argue now, well, Spurs want to get their games played. Um, as for us, it's tricky because we're playing in like five competitions. We go away to the Club World Cup in February, let end of January, February. We'll have games to catch up on then. So it, it's a tough balancing act. It's really hard. Ultimately, though, playing that Wolves game has done us absolutely no benefit. It's yeah, done us absolutely yeah. no benefit at all. And, you know, we have to wait and see. But there were rumours, obviously, that actually playing Kante yesterday did him a bit of damage. So we just have to wait and see. But obviously, you know, we'll have to see what happens. But, you know, the reality is there's probably a strong chance yesterday that players who tested negative uh, yesterday and were able to play might easily just test positive, you know, today or tomorrow or in the next round of testing, etc. And, you know, it could it could have been avoided had we just had a little break. But, alas, it, it's tough. I don't think you're going to find an ideal solution. There's going to be people with different viewpoints. Some people just want games to be played. We know how important football is to people, but also I think it comes to a point where you are diluting the product quite a lot. And I think it's really hard balancing acts. Yeah. Uh, well, well said, Nick. And, you know, just to add to that a few bits as well, um, you know, just think about the effect of if you're planning for a game days in advance, you're training with people as a manager, then all of a sudden these guys test positive and you have to change it all at the last minute. Even that in itself just seems off. Do you know what I mean? So big up Tickle for, 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 for what he did against Wolves. Fair play. Um, but also just going back to something that you said about uh, the match going fans, fair play. But I, I don't know how to feel about this. Well, I do know how I feel. I'm not really keen. Someone, some match going fans, and I don't know if it was just because the game was, uh, a, you know, it, 
it was on the day they tweeted it because they're on, on route, in which case it doesn't matter. But even afterwards, some some tweeted and said, I don't care if we have to play our youth team. I want to follow Chelsea home and away, um, something like that. And I, I just saw that and thought, well, no, you do care really, don't you? Because you'll be the first person to complain if if um, if if we get absolutely panned by Aston Villa, if that game goes ahead, because we, we have to play mostly youth players, you know? So I, I don't know what you think about that. Because yeah. I think it's in between somewhere. Isaiah, I think I said, the issue is communication. I think ultimately, if a game's at risk, you've got to be notified. You can't just go, like I say, there yeah. were Villa fans who were turning up to their game on the day, en route, and they get told it's off. That's not really on. Like That's the issue. But then again, with testing as late, you're going to get back. You're going to get all of a sudden, okay, now we've got enough cases to get it called off. Uh, look, ultimately, look, I guess Wolves, I guess the situation, it wasn't good. You know, we had a lot of players out yesterday. I mean, Werner, Lukaku, hudson Adoy. Chilwell. I mean, Chilwell was injury, but, you know, so I guess we disclude him despite the fact he's but Werner, Lukaku, Havertz, Jorginho, etc. Christensen obviously was back. Okay, so that's not COVID. But there were a lot of players. Ruben had COVID. There were a lot of players and you think, come on, man. This isn't, this isn't right. This is dilute. Like, COVID, you, can't, you can't treat COVID like an injury yeah. because cause an injury doesn't, like, stop other people from being available. It just stops one individual. COVID can stop multiple. So, I think it's really dangerous to, you know, kind of go that way. And yeah, as I said, I said I wasn't there yesterday of the Wolves game. Like I wasn't traveling. So I obviously well, I did want it called off. If I'd been going, honestly, I probably would have wanted to go on. So it's a tough one. But so I do think ultimately, you know, there comes a point where I cut off like yesterday was probably like the limit we can go to. But as I said, we've even seen, you know, the consequences of that, but we're playing people who are unfit, who are probably we were doing them damage. And ultimately it's going to do us damage in the long run. And like we we don't want this to like really damage our season because you can argue if this carries on we've in the space of like two weeks we've gone from a top challenge to a top four battle and we don't want yeah. that so I think it's really careful and I said yeah wanting to play our under 23s no for the Brentford League Cup tie I kind of get because it's maybe not a priority we need to get it in you know obviously if it's top the semi-finals get reduced to one leg that makes sense but yeah I think it's one of those we've just got to be yeah be careful but no don't go to the extreme of yeah I want to see you know, I travelled to the country seeing the under twenty three play because no, you don't because the quality is not as good. The product won't be as good. And you'll be probably pretty hacked off if we get comfortably beaten as well. So, yeah, nah, exactly, exactly. exactly. Um, next question comes in from Dwayne. I'll ask question one. Considering the circumstances, do you think the Wolves' result is a good one? This is quite, you know, I guess it's not a bad question to ask because you know, I guess in hindsight, looking at it in isolation. Purely in isolation, it's not a bad result given all the circumstances. I guess it's the bigger picture of the title charge and that being affected and being in a position where we are now six points behind um, uh, behind City and we've basically got very little margin for error and we've probably now got to go and beat them in January. Uh, but what are your thoughts on it, Jan? I think it is a good result or was a good result because we had all those last minute changes. It's just what I was saying about trying to be a manager, planning for a game. I know we had the Everton game on the Thursday, so we wouldn't have had much time. But, you know, planning for a game and then having things change last minute and having all that disruption when you could just be calm and thinking about it, you're going to turn up pretty hacked off and tense. So I think he managed to get a tune out of the players eventually. So we rode our luck in the first half, but then at halftime he changed it, obviously had a chat with them, and then we controlled the second half. You'd always, in my opinion, you'd rather end stronger in a sense, as long as you're not losing. Um, so fair play to him. I think players playing out of position, players coming in that are unfit, all of that, all in all, 
we've done well. Wolves had some players out, but we're away to Wolves in the best of the times. That's a hard game. Recently, they beat Brighton 1-0 away. They lost to Liverpool 1-0 at home and then lost 1-0 away to City with 10 men for most of the game. So they're a very good team. So actually, when you take that all into account, take away the annoyance of knowing that we could have won with our full team probably, it's a good result. I'm happy with it. And it's a long season. We're not actually halfway yet, technically. That's the next game. With that in mind, City, we, 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 were, we were clear of them. You know, we, we, we were clear of them. I think we were, what, five points, six points at one point? Maybe even more. Um, but look, look how they've come back. So who's, who's to say we can't go on a run like they have? And they will dip off at some point. It's still a long season. So, you know, with that hat on, I'm happy with that. Um, with my heart at the time, I, I was annoyed. But it is what it is. You're going to be emotional. Um, and, you know, maybe we had a few chances to win. You know, Kante got stepped on at the end. Doesn't look good as a still image. Quite annoying. So maybe we could have got something right at the end, the penalty. Who knows? But, yeah, good result otherwise. Yeah, exactly. And look, Liverpool, it took them to the 94th minute weather to win at Molyneux the other week. City, it took them getting, you know, Jimenez getting himself shibbly sent off and, and a penalty to, to get him a win at home. So look, Wolves are a tricky team. They have got one of the best defences in the league. I think statistically they've not conceded many goals. So we knew the challenge for them. And considering actually, you know, we, I, I was actually kind of a bit surprised how, you know, I guess tentative Wolves were. They didn't really seem to go for us. A huge amount given the position we're in. So look, it's a decent point. Come the end of the season where our title challenge may well have not really come close or not really fired. It might, we might look back as this is actually quite an important point in the season. Getting our first clean sheet in December as well. We might look back as this as a point going, right, OK, this is maybe where we got a bit of confidence back. This is maybe we used this. You know, Tuchel wasn't happy the game went on. In his interview afterwards, he wasn't happy still that the game had gone on. Maybe we can use this, you know, us against the world type mentality. Maybe this can be like a little, a, a like switch, uh, switch we flick, but we kind of go right, you know, not saying there is a campaign against Chelsea, but to, to use a Jose phrase, is like because the campaign against us, we're playing these games when we shouldn't, other teams are getting let off. We've now just got to try and use this as motivation to try and really, try and really go on. But yeah, say in isolation, I think it's a good point at Wolves, uh, as I say. And we'll, have, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see at the end of the season how good a point it was. But it felt in the circumstances yesterday, not a bad point, even if it didn't put us six points behind City. Uh, next question comes in from Dan Hill. Considering the sticky nature of how our season has gone over the last four weeks, have your expectations changed somewhat? Obviously, you know, we went to West Ham on the... Fourth, I want to say around the 4th of December, maybe a bit after that, the first weekend in December anyway. Uh, and we were top of the league. And within about, what, two and a half weeks, we are now six points off top. So it's fair to say a lot has changed since then. Um, there are reasons for it, as I said, injuries, etc. COVID now, just in some missing chances, etc. Have your expectations changed like Jam? I guess obviously it's, this is mainly just for the league season because the Champions League, you know, we've actually coming second is in a way been, been a bit, bit of a godsend for us. But uh, have your expectations changed for the league now? Yeah, they have. Um, the main reason is because Man City are just absolutely unreal at the moment. Every single metric graph that you see, whatever it is, they're at the top by, by quite a way. Liverpool matching them on some or close. But no, Man City are just a different beast. And now we've given up the lead. That's it. I think we, we had to be ahead of them until 
maybe the game that we play against them in January and beat them before we could really be like, yeah, this is ours. Do you know what I mean? But unfortunately, this these series of draws that we've had at home with the inability to 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 score that extra goal to win, um, it, it's absolutely come to bite us in the arse. Man United, Burnley and Everton, that's six points right there. We could be level with them. We should be. We should have won those games. And then the West Ham game, frustrating. It's a dodgy game, though. West Ham, really dodgy. They've beaten everyone this season, all the big teams. Man City was in the cup, but so what? They beat them. They're, they're a very tough get, uh, That's a very tough game to, to go to away. Very annoying in the circumstances because we could have, we probably should have drawn that game. I don't think they deserve to win. I don't think we did. Um, and it was a freak goal that went in. I think a freak goal more than a mistake, but there it is. And that, that's another one we've lost a point in. So that, that's seven points right there where we really could have, I think we should have had those seven points. So we could still be leading by a point, but we're not. And that's just where we're up to right now. You know, I think these last few weeks have highlighted to me that our attack, just we don't have elite finishers. Um, Lukaku, he can be that elite finisher, but until he does it for us consistently, I'm not going to put him in that bracket just yet. He still needs to showcase that he can do that for Chelsea in our shirt because Timo Werner was an elite finisher before he came. And then look what happened. I'm not saying he's going to flop, but, you know, let, let him do it first and then we'll say, cool. So in my honest opinion, we don't have an elite finisher right here and now. And that's a problem because we create chances for fun. We just can't take them. And again, a, a, a game that highlights that is the Everton game. So now the blueprint all of a sudden is when you're playing against Chelsea, if you don't want to concede, sit back. Sit back. You know, like expression says, it's terror squad, lean back. Just lean back. Just lean back and then that's it. You know, you're, more than, you're, you're going to limit us to one goal, maybe. <laughs> Max, um, and the chances are you probably scored a transition in a counter-attack or, or from a set piece to where we're playing at the moment, but hopefully this Wolves game can be a springboard, as you said, clean sheet we do better when we can keep clean sheets, obviously, so hopefully all these boys come back pretty soon, boys come back from injury hopefully we can get back onto it and get into some form before we have those tough games at the start of next year because that's going to be really hard yeah, no, nah, look, exactly. Ultimately, I think when our top scorer is Mason Mount with, I think, seven goals, look, cred to him, he's, you know, improving his output. But as we saw against Everton, he can still be quite wasteful. When you think Kai Havertz is on two Premier League goals this season, Christian Pulisic is on two Premier League goals this season, Hakim Ziyech is on one, I believe. Callum's on one, I think, as well. Like, these are our wingers and our attackers and our, like, they need to begin. You need to begin three or four of them in double figures, and we're not there yet. And I think that's ultimately our issue. We just don't score enough goals. And in recent weeks, we've been making individual errors that have been coming back and costing us. Instead of grinding out and holding on to a one 0 win, we've been drawing one one, and that's cost us. And yeah, I think ultimately our expectations do kind of have to have have changed because, like, it's we're just seeing what's in front of us. We're seeing a squad struggling with injuries. We're seeing a team that's look you know, just horrendous since Ben Chilwell's got injured, but also not just since he's got injured, but struggled massively since we had no Kante or Kovacic. Jorginho have been playing through the pain barrier. His performance as a result of, you know, taking a dip. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, unfortunately, has gone off the ball after a really promising start. You know, a player who we thought, OK, maybe maybe he could be back, but who's had a really sort of disappointing month given a regular starting opportunity. So, nah, it's... um. 
it's a tough one. It's a tough position that we're in at the moment. And yeah, I think ultimately, unfortunately, expectations have to, I think, be tempered with a little bit. Like we're not at full strength. We're struggling. So yeah, it's um it's not ideal. And we'll just have to, I guess, see where we are come January or maybe when these players are back. The second part of Dan's question was what tactical or systematic alterations need to be made in order to instill a new surge of momentum? Obviously, getting some players that will help. And this is where I kind of don't have an answer because I'm not sure systemic alterations are needed. Because you look at that Everton game, Tuchel can't put the ball in the back of the net for them. He can't. We created so many good chances. If Reese James puts that chance away in the first five minutes, which he narrowly just sends past the post, we probably win that game 4-0. It's just one of those. He can't finish that Mason Mount chance for him. He can't, you know defend you know he can't you know not lose his man or whatever for Everton's goal there's only so much he can do if he's coached like he coached like a he that team put out in a performance that was good enough to win that they didn't because the individuals on the pitch weren't able to convert so I'm not sure what he can really do in terms of you know systematic alterations really again Wolves was a tricky one we didn't really give him a, a sniff really obviously they had a goal that was offside uh it was offside because Jimenez intervened and then they had one, you know, chance which was a header, which where Alonso just decided, no, here you go, have a free header, Den Donker. Um, <laughs> Alonso had his his one crazy moment of the match, I guess. Uh, but yeah, but honestly, like it, it, it's kind of hard for me to really say like where we go because Wolves, like Wolves, was the most solid we've looked defensively in a long time as well. So credit to him, he's coached that bit well despite everything going on. It was just attack. We just struggled. But then again, Liverpool struggled to score against Wolves. City struggled to score against Wolves. So is it just opposition as well? Like, I'm struggling to... I feel like tactical or systemic alteration seems maybe just a bit of a stretch. Or, you know, because I feel like maybe a bit reactionary. Ultimately, I think what's been letting Tuchel down is the players in recent weeks because they've been... Errors have been slipping into their games. We've been conceding soft goals. But you look at it, we've still been... You know, we scored two against Watford. We scored three against Zenit. We scored two against West Ham. We scored three against Leeds. You know, we've been done and do, been doing enough, scoring enough goals usually to win those games. It's just, you know, defensive errors in some of those cases. And then against Everton, they scored from pretty much the only shot, they, you know, their only real attack against us. It's, it, I find it like a tough one to really just blame it on system or, or you know, tactical or systemic like alterations need to be made. But Jan, what do you think? You know, when you said Alonso's name, my heart skipped a beat. I forgot about that. I forgot. <laughs> there was another moment in that game actually where he got absolutely roasted. But anyway, oh yeah, anyway, Diana Hoover, the uh, the ex Liverpool reject. Yeah, oh, my I forgot God. that. Yeah, what's his name? Dyson, yeah, or, or Henry? Yeah, that that guy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, look. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to say. I think what I'm going to do is play devil's advocate and think about it like this, right? Um, if you change the system, okay, let's look at Man City. Yeah, Pep has been coaching them for ages. He's got all of the players he wants. I, I I appreciate that. But you can maybe look at the way that they play and say that perhaps because of the way they play with that formation, they're able to generate different types of chances, which are almost unmissable compared to what we have. Even though we've missed some absolute sitters, maybe the type the types of chances they have or just having an extra body around can pull a defender out to give more space. You could argue that that could work in that sense. But then again, you know, add to that, that it's going to take a very long time to coach that. You also need to play through it to be successful. 
you can't really just keep swapping and changing formations, especially now when players aren't in the team, aren't training all the time because of injuries, because of COVID. It's very difficult. Long term, we can argue this. Maybe Tuchel's got a plan. Um, God forbid he makes it. No, 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 no. Please, God, let him make it to the summer. Then, you know, he can plan. Maybe he does want to, you know, have a look at some of the players that we've got, get rid of them, get some other players in. And maybe he can look at doing a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. Who knows? But I think for now, it is, you're right, it's the players that are letting him down. It is the, the, the fact that we can't finish. Like I said, we need elite finishers. If our expectations are to challenge for the title, we need world-class finishers. Look at the other guys that we're challenging. Yeah, Liverpool have got Mane, they've got Salah, they've got Jota. These guys will finish everything. They'll finish my dinner, your dinner, my mum's dinner. They'll finish everything. That's what they do. Man City, probably even more, just natural finishers. Jesus isn't bad. Foden can score. De Bruyne will pack one in. Cancelo will, will contribute. Then you've got Mares. This guy's ridiculous. I think he's one of the best natural wingers if, in the league. He's unreal. You've got him. And I've, I know I've missed someone. Ferran Torres was scoring goals for fun, but he's injured at the moment. Um, there's somebody else I'm missing. I know that, it. That but fella called Raheem Sterling is not bad. Raheem, Raheem Sterling, Mr. Tappet. No, 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 no. He, he scores goals. That's the main thing. He scores goals. How many of those guys can finish? Uh, compare them to us now. Kai Havertz, if he's in the mood. Mason Mount, you know, most of the time, but if he's in the mood. ZS usually misses the target. Cho missed the target, guaranteed. Pulisic, maybe if he's had a good run of form, could be that. Lukaku can when he's in form. He hasn't proven it for us yet consistently. Uh, partly his fault, partly not, by the way, just to say. And Timo Werner, let me not speak. So, you know, it's, it's, it's peak. That's what is the problem right now. It's not the system. Yeah, no, exactly. You say, but, you know, Tuchel can only do so much. And, yeah, it's not... Um easy. Um, Connag, are the returns from Pulisic and Ziyech satisfactory considering what they were bought for and the circumstances? I'm just to caveat it, I'm not going to really use these last two games to judge these players, but we will just, you know, discuss everything previous to that. But Jam, are the returns from Pulisic and Ziyech satisfactory considering what they were bought for? No, no, no. Not at all. No. And look, I've been having a bit, a few fights back and forth with people over the timeline about Pulisic. And look, I really do rate the player. And let me just point everyone back to Project Restart. Before it started, I did a video and said, this is the guy that's going to get us through it. And I've been analysing him and I said, I really like this player and I still do. He has some frustrating things he needs to work on. I think he would have a much better output if he could get his head up. I've said it already on this. Um, I think his finishing's decent when he's in a good run of form. But the main problem with him is his availability. You know, his, his legs are made of straw. His hamstrings are made of guitar strings. You know, it, it, they're, they're as tight as that. It's peak. This guy, I don't know what has to happen here, but, you know, he needs to be way more available. And his, his output's just not good enough yet. You could argue that he's still young, yet to get into his prime. But, can Chelsea offer him that game time for him to develop and get into his prime? This sounds like deja vu with Tammy Abraham. It's true. I'm just saying, I don't think it's that far off that situation. So, yeah, it's it's a bit peak with Pulisic. Now, Ziyech, my friend. Oh, 
Mr. 28-year-old, Mr. Mr. Man that we bought that was ready to, to jump straight into the team. Okay, I allowed you last year because it was weird. You joined during COVID and, you know, it, it was just a very odd year. And I think you had a couple of moments where, yeah, fair enough. You, you showed, he showed what he could do ah, this season. Um, it was annoying because in pre-season, I know it's pre-season, he looked absolutely hot on it. Then he got that injury in the Super Cup um, and he's just come back and been absolutely rubbish, to be honest. Moments of brilliance, but not enough. Yeah. Not enough to get goals, not enough to get assists. So I, I certainly am disappointed with him. And as things stand, obviously not get rid in January, but as things stand, I think summertime, it's, that's your lot, in my opinion. However, he's still got the rest of the season to really showcase what he can do. Does he get enough game time to do that? I don't think so, because, again, I think he's a bit of a streaky player. I think once he gets into his flow, he will be good. But the problem is, once he gets into his flow with us, he'll get injured again or something will happen. And then he's starting the whole process again. It's always a cycle with him. It's a similar cycle with Pulisic. I'm prepared to give Pulisic a bit more time because I think he's younger. I think there's still a bit to come. And, you know, it's been, he's obviously shown more moments over the last uh, year and a half, two years. He, he really has. So I've got more faith with him. Currently, he still needs to step it up a lot. And uh, people need to really be objective with him. They need to stop, you know, using their bias and, and going, oh, you can't, you can't say anything. I, I can criticise who I like in this team. I said, I got told, oh, you wouldn't say that about Mason Mount. I go back to that Everton game. I was the only one that said he had a stinker in the first half. People didn't like that. And I just said, I'm saying it as it is. I'm objective. So when I'm saying it about Pulisic, don't think I don't do it about other players, people. But yeah, they, they need to do better. Then it's not good enough right now. We're looking to win a title. We're not looking to get a top four spot. And if it was just that, cool. Do what you're doing. Maybe it's enough. Maybe even at that. But to challenge for a title, no, 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 no. Got to do more, lads. Yeah, ultimately, what I think what we're seeing from Christian Pulisic, your Chelsea career so far, and Akin Ziyech, your Chelsea career so far, is their moments players. And I think this Chelsea team in general has a lot of moments players, particularly in our attack. The issue is, is that these moments players seem to happen like in clumps, and there doesn't seem to be, doesn't seem to be one that, okay, okay, this game I'm going to take a moment. They either seem to all happen like at the same type game, and I think that's ultimately kind of where we're having an issue. Hacking Ziyech, like you go back to December, he had a good game. He came up against Watford, scored the winning goal. Plays against West Ham, get, gets that, you know, assist for Mount's brilliant goal, etc. But then again, what has he done since? That's kind of the issue. Kai Havertz, as I said, started really, you know, brightly in December. As I said, he, you know, had a good game against uh, Watford, got the assist for Mount's goal. No, I actually thought he was pretty good against West Ham that first off. And I think ultimately us losing him was a big factor in why we actually ended up losing that game to West Ham. Um, but then he's had stuff with injuries, etc. He's not quite been at it. You know, Callum Hudson-Doy, you know, he had that good run in the side, you know, when players were out. And I actually thought he was performing quite well. He was getting some contributions. And then, you know, for whatever reason, he, I think it was after United game, maybe. He had a couple games on the bench. You know, fair enough, maybe resting him. But then he's not, he struggled to kind of get that momentum back. And he's had, you know, I think been out as well with testing positive for COVID, et cetera, or whatever. It's just a bit frustrating. And I think ultimately, yeah, we, the question focuses on, on Hakim Ziyech. He's a moment player. His Chelsea career 
isn't defined by a really good period of form. You define him by his moments, his goal against Atletico Madrid last season, you know, in the Champions League game, his goals against City in, you know, the uh, always contribution, yeah, against City in the FA Cup and the league game at the Etihad last year. You know, that game against Sheffield United under Frank, where he pulled the strings and he thought, this is our man, this is our protagonist under Frank, etc. This year, you go back to the Super Cup, that 40 minutes, he was the best player on a pitch by a mile. You go back to Watford, he wins us the game, etc. He's a moments player. Christian Pulisic is a moments player, but you're looking at this season and I've got maybe about cameo off the bench against Leicester. He was really good. Palace at the season, he wasn't bad. He got a goal. Then, but then we go back to last season where we go, oh yeah, he was really good in that Champions League game when we the second leg against Porto, that Champions League game against you know uh, Real Madrid, that first leg, and in between he had that one really good game against Crystal Palace. We're kind of counting like single figure like games where we're going, oh, he's had a really good game. He's he's really impacted it. And this is just ultimately a thing. We, we, we're getting moments from these players, but we're not getting enough. And it seems yeah. like it may be, I don't want to like compare him, but you go Mason Mount, who's had to play in a different number of positions. He's probably not had to play in his favourable positions at Chelsea for probably the last 18 months or whatever, playing, you know, part of that front three. You'd probably say that's not his best position, but he's adapted to it. And more often than not, he has made an impact. He has, you know, got forward. He's contributed goals. I think he's probably, the, he's the young, I think he's the youngest player for us to hit 20 Premier League goals or whatever. He's having an impact in this team. And I think these players, ultimately, I know it's not easy, but they've got to do more when we're on the pitch. They're just having moments. They're just not enough. And look, Ziyech for 30 million, no, we can probably recoup most of that. He's not been a horrendous signing. He's played his part in our, some of our success. But he's by no means been, you know, a star player who we couldn't have, you know, lived without. And Pulisic, you know, fair play. His first season was brilliant, you know, particularly after lockdown. But since then, what have we really seen? We've just seen moments. And I know he's obviously been battling injury, et cetera, but it just becomes a point, how long can you keep looking back on Project Restart Pulisic? We hear it all the time. If he gets that form back, if he gets that form back, we've been hearing that for two seasons now. I just think there comes yeah. a point where we'll have to see. Pulisic obviously is a different case to ZH. He is younger, but I think ultimately, yeah. These players yeah. are moments players and they haven't represented the value we've got. But it's not just them. It's easy to say Timo Werner has not been worth the money we paid for him yet. He's contributed, he has his moments, but we could probably replace him. Kai Havertz, I love the kid. He scored by Champions League goal. I will always have so much love for him. You know, I will always sing he's the best on earth, even though he isn't. But he's not been worth the 70 million so far. Obviously, there'll be time, but none of these attackers have shown their worth. None of them have really shown like, the value we paid for them. Rom is obviously one we're going to have to be patient with because, you know, he started the season all right. He's had injury issues. And then he's been coming back. He's then got COVID. It's been quite hard to really judge him so far. His Chelsea career has been very stop-start. And we do need to give him more time. But, you know, soon the questions will be asked. You know, maybe not this season, but next season of him, you know, for that, the, the 90, 100 million we spent on him. And there comes a point, yeah. these attackers have got to, they've got to find a way to work at some point. Because it sounds like really bad, but you've got Conor Gallagher on loan at Crystal Palace, who's banging the goals and who's their top scorer. Broger on loan at Sampton, who's got four goals. Tammy Abraham, for all his faults at Chelsea, and for all people who didn't think he was good enough, was our top scorer in all competitions, two seasons running, and isn't having a bad time here at Roma. Obviously, it's Serie A. Some of your position isn't great. He's also playing in the Europa Conference League, etc. But he's still getting goals. And this is the thing that comes a point where, like, how, you know, these Cobham Academy players are doing well. Obviously, I realise Gallagher's, you know, probably doesn't maybe play in as far forward position as those players. He's probably more, you know, a midfield player, slightly deeper. But you've got Broger, etc. in his first season of Premier League football, and he's got, what, four goals, etc. Like there comes a point where surely, like, if our common academy, academy graduates can do a job, 
surely these players we're paying money for have got to do a job because otherwise we're just better sticking off with what we've got in the academy. It's ultimate, that's not ultimately the case because we can't keep like making excuses for like all these players because we spent all this money on them and they haven't lived up to it yet. It isn't just Pulisic and Ziyech, but obviously the question did just focus on them and Pulisic and Ziyech have been here. Well, Ziyech has been here as long as Timo and, and Kai Sech and Pulisic been a year longer. But yeah, it's, it's a tough one. You know yeah. Do you, do you know what? Sorry, just on, on the back of that, you said something which um, uh, really highlighted something to me. So that when you said stop, start, I think that's been the theme for every single one of the attackers. It is stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. And that, annoyingly for a club, it's very annoying to have players that will just not play a period of games all the time. You, look, you think back to the most successful Chelsea teams, the best players over the years have been the, the players that have actually played the most minutes. Eden Hazard rarely got injured. Even William rarely got injured. And as, as a contributor, you know, he was always one of our top contributors over the seasons. He could have done a lot more, but do you know what I mean? He was just ever-present. Hazard was, Frank Lampard, you know, Drogba got a few more injuries, but, you know, he, he was on the whole quite, uh, you know, quite available. John Terry never missed games as well. You know, these are all players that, that is the blueprint almost, is, is the fact that you're always available. And I think our attack at the moment, Timo Werner actually, to be fair, I think he's usually available a bit more. Maybe this doesn't apply to him as much, but and I know we've got COVID right now. So that obviously has an effect on things. Um, and you could argue that, you know, off the back of a really busy schedule, it's a bit more packed in now than it used to be. But we've got a lot of players that just miss games. You know, they just pick up injuries, illnesses or whatever it might be. So it's very difficult for them to get consistency and get a game, you know, a run of where they score in five games in a row and suddenly think, I'm the man. Get confident in themselves. It's very hard for them to get there because they will never be allowed to because of their bodies. So, you know, that's just a point to make. Have we got too many of those players? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, and ultimately, look, two players who were probably, you know, didn't maybe get the respect they deserve from Chelsea fans in Pedro and William. Whatever you say about them, they could get goals and assists. They were pretty available and they scored goals. You know, not as they, you know, they frustrated us. They could easily have probably done more, but they, prov- they provided more than what the current attackers, you know, have tended to do and all that fancy money we paid on them. You know, there comes a point where you've got to go like, surely, you know, we need more from you. We can't just keep making excuses. So next question, I don't really sure how we answer it. Davey asks, how do we fight about attacking sparkle that we are missing? COVID isn't helping, but, be- but before this one, we just can't break teams down right now. <laughs> we need, why can't our players finish? Why? Why can't they score goals? I don't know. I don't know, Davey. I don't know why we can't score goals. I don't know why Timo Werner can't score goals. I don't know why Kai Havertz can't score goals. I don't know why Callum Hudson-Odoi, for all his, who I think is a wonderful player, can't shoot. I genuinely don't know how that kid can't shoot. He can do so much, but he can't shoot. It baffles me. Jam. When you're shooting, I mean, obviously I've never played at this level, but I'm, I'm a striker when I play. Um, you need to be relaxed. You almost want things to happen where you're not thinking about things too much. So, you know, it's just instinctive. Uh, maybe the only time that you're going to finish a goal is, and you're thinking about it a lot, is when you, you're cutting in and you want to bang a shot, but you're throwing a few dummies and waiting for the right moment. Other than that, you almost want your finishing to be pretty instinctive. And a lot of these players just don't seem to have that composure. 
And I don't know if you can teach that. I'll be very honest. I hate to say it. I don't know if you can teach that. I think Kai Havertz might have it, but he just, he almost doesn't seem like he wants to be in that situation a lot of the time. You know, he wants to be a part of the creating the chance, but I don't think he's, despite that season he had with Bayer Leverkusen, I, I just don't know if he really has that natural finishing ability in terms of that natural hunger, sorry, to, to get goals. So it's hard to really throw that on him, but he's one of our better finishers, I'd say. Um, it's it's just difficult. Show, I can see it every single time he's going to shoot. He's He just doesn't have, he's not relaxed enough. He's very stiff when he's shooting. And it's just not going to work. Yet, funnily enough, when he's playing for the youth teams or even England, he can shoot. And you know why that is? It's because I think he's confident at that level. He knows he's the best player. So it's a very different mindset that you're having when you're about to take the shot because you're not worried about missing the target. You, you know you can shoot and score and you're going to be relaxed enough to do that. But then when you're playing for the first team, he still hasn't got to that point where he's fully confident and comfortable at this level, in my opinion. And there, there's a few reasons for that. I know he got his injury, uh, which probably dented his confidence, put him right back. And then since then, it's been stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, which is frustrating. He was getting there at moments. He was getting there, but still not with his finishing. He really needs to work on that. He needs to learn how to relax, in my opinion. Pulisic, again, when he's confident, he's a finisher. So I, I haven't really got too much of a, to, to say about him. Um, the others, Timo Werner, again, talk about stiff. <laughs> the guy, he's, he's so stiff. He hits the ball and his, his leg's like a, a lamppost. Do you know what I mean? He's just... He wants to whack it all the time. He doesn't really... I don't know how to put it. I think he just thinks, I'm getting this on target. And he doesn't all the time. But that's just all he thinks of. He's not really picking spots like he could do before when he was the big fish. That's my point. A lot of these players seem to do well when they're the big fish in, in a little pond. But then as soon as they come into the sea, they're, they're suddenly not a big fish. They're, they're small. And they're amongst other big fishes or, or other fishes, if you like. And maybe that's just a mentality thing. But I just think when I watch these guys shoot, they're not relaxed enough. I think, funnily enough, our best strikers of the ball are our fullbacks. You know, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Marcus Alonso. These guys can strike a ball. Maybe you could argue their finishing isn't necessarily the same because most of the time they're just whacking a ball. But, you know, they, they if you look at their, their technique, Unreal. Absolutely superb. Absolutely superb. And other people in the team can take and shoot, by the way. He's not bad with his technique. But yeah, it's it's just for me, it's all about just that composure. And I, I just don't think we have it right now. Yep, nah, fair enough. Uh next question, Shyam. If the fixtures do get altered anytime soon because of a pandemic, we end up having a congested few months ahead. Would you be wanting to improve this squad in January given our injury history? It's one of those, Jam. It sounds bizarre, but with COVID, you see the squad we had against Wolves and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we could probably do a few more bodies. But yet when everyone's fit, we probably have too many. It's it's a tough one. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that said injury history because, you know, a lot of a lot of players are getting COVID now when it's going to be at its peak, you know, now in January, unfortunately. Then it, it kind of dies off by trend of, of this year anyway. Um. So, yeah, our enemy is probably going to be uh, injuries if we have a fixture pile up. So, you know, with that in mind, 
funnily enough, I, I would actually say that we don't necessarily need to. I, I, I'm going to say that because we have so many players. The only thing I would say is, I don't even know if I'm really on this, but maybe a striker. Maybe a striker. Because Lukaku, if anything happens to him, and he's got generally a good uh, injury history, but if anything happens to him, we're then playing somebody, in my opinion, that doesn't really want to be a striker, Kai Havertz, or we're playing a striker that needs a partner in Timo Werner. Probably not enough. So maybe it'd be a striker. But then if we do get a striker in, that probably means we need to loan or, or sell someone. <laughs> so it's very hard. We've got loads of games coming up, so we could probably justify game time. But I think the squad's big enough as it is. The quality is another matter, but we can't sort this out in January. It doesn't work. You've got your social aspects of the squad, you know, as a whole. You don't really want to disrupt it too much. You've got the chemistry. You've got players knowing each other. You know, how how much can you disrupt that? Probably by one, maybe two players max. But come on, I, I don't think we, we really need to, um, if, if I'm honest. Yeah, look, I said I said it before. Like, I'm now getting like quite keen on the whole Luca Dina idea as a left back. You know, obviously, what's going on at Everton due to Chile being out, Alonso can't play all the time. You know, we're going to need to to rest him. And say Sal as a wing back doesn't you know fill me with enthusiasm, and I don't really want to see Callum Hudson Doyle played there or Christian Pulisic played there. That's one. If it was available, and I said I think with Dina as well, you can maybe look to the future and go maybe this is Alonso's last season type thing gives us just that option where we can go okay cheers Marcus thanks for everything you've been good servant scored some big goals helped us win some trophies but maybe we move on Dean is obviously that little bit younger as well probably just a bit more dynamic as well uh maybe that's just you know just a slight smart move uh central midfield look I don't know and I say look I say this just from what from people what people say about him I've not seen the player enough to form an opinion but if Aurelian Trimeni was somehow available in January maybe you could go there get an extra body in midfield because I said, we can't recall Billy Gilmore now. We can't recall Conor Gallagher because uh, they play a certain amount of games in their loan. So we've got what we've got in midfield. If we could somehow strike a deal for him in January, then maybe that would be a nice move to do. Um, but yeah, honestly, I'm I'm struggling. And look, I mean, as much as we're struggling in attack, the idea of getting in has it still does not enthuse me. As much as we're struggling in attack, as much as, you know, even that, even though I might have slightly warmed to the idea a little bit, watching us I still don't think you know again going for someone like Hazard in January would be would be kind of worth it because we do have a big we still ultimately still have a lot of players in most positions when everyone's fit and Hazard's not exactly tearing it up at the moment so yeah I'd say Dina and if possible if possible someone like a, a Chiamani uh, final question comes in from RJ who asked how much of our recent form has been attributed to those available the players themselves or Tuchel's tactics, straight away, again, I just kind of want to remove Tuchel's tactics because I don't think Tuchel's tactics are really the issue here. It's kind of, for me, as we mentioned, it's a similar question to what we've had earlier. Look, obviously, the players on the pitch, the ones who put ball in the back of the net, they create enough chances they can't put away, but obviously also Jan. It's fair to say availability has knocked us. I think even but Ben Shilwell's injury, I think, has affected his team more than I thought it would. I just think it's like clear to tell that's affected it. And obviously, missing Kovacic for a period of time, Kante's old injuries have clearly affected the balance of this team, haven't they? Absolutely. Chilwell was a massive miss. Good old Chili B over there. Um, you know, unfortunately, we've got a guy that that's 
it, you know, I, I say it all the time. It takes him hours to move his body parts. It takes him 10 minutes to scratch his nose. You know, he's, he's so slow. Um, I saw a really funny tweet from Jay McIntosh. He, he said that, <laughs> he said, why does Alonso make it look like he's always running against a strong wind? <laughs> and look, the reason why I'm saying this look, is because out wide, the fullbacks need to be dynamic in this in this formation for it to work. They need to be able to occasionally beat their man, get crosses in, get up and down the pitch, you know, get back to defend, go up to attack. They need to be able to do that. Alonso's really good in the opposition third. He is really, really good. Um, maybe crosses are a bit whack still, but, you know, at least as, as a presence, he's good. He can finish chances. You know, his attack position is good. Fair play to him. Um, but yeah, it's not dynamic enough. So yeah, player availability, massive. You know, the centre mids in this formation need to be ball carriers. They need to be comfortable under any circumstances almost receiving the ball. That's how this formation works really well. If the centre mids don't come to show, and I've seen other teams try and play what we play, and their centre mids are whack, then it will just, it's a disaster. I've seen Everton try it a few times and <laughs> they they have just absolutely not been able to progress the ball. We need ball progressives, people that want to get in possession in centre mid. Um, so availability is massive. But then, you know, when I let, let me point this to you. When we're we're taking over 70 shots in three games against Man United, Burnley, and Everton and scoring three goals, that's a massive issue. <laughs> that is a massive issue. So, you know, I, I think the players have actually got a lot of blame to to take on. You know, I really do. That includes the likes of Mason Mount and Reese James because they've been fantastic this season, but they've had some serious misses in that. Reese James is one. The reason why I say that's a, that's a, that's a big miss is because he scored something like that. Um, it, a very similar opportunity. Um, I can't remember who that was against, but he did score that exact chance he had against Everton. Mount missed from point-blank range against Everton and had a few others he could probably tuck away. So, you know, that includes everyone. Um, we don't, we can't rely on defenders to score goals. We just cannot do that. That's not sustainable. So maybe, maybe the signs of this period were already showing before and defenders were bailing us out with random goals that they'll pitch in with that nobody expected. Maybe it was showing before. Maybe Jorginho's penalties of late have kind of got us over the line in a couple of games, got us a point against Man United, got us three points against Leeds. Maybe that's papered, um, you know, the cracks a little bit. But it's the players, man. You know, in the context of that question, it's the players more than anything. Um, yeah, the availability sucks, but I think that's only sucked in the last two games. Before that, we're already in bad form. Yeah, nah, exactly. And as I said, you know, we lost Chile, but ultimately, as I said... We made errors like we mentioned earlier as well. We, like, we probably dropped seven points, but we should have got. You say about West Ham game, we should never have lost. The United game, we missed like glorious chances as well. You know, obviously a big individual error that put us one nil down. We got back to one on missed chances though, too slow, too ponderous with it at points. Burnley, we just couldn't finish off, and then we conceded a soft goal. Everton couldn't score. Eventually, did couldn't hold on. It's it is on the players at the moment. That's not to, I don't want to like, you know, be too critical because they've been brilliant. I think, you know, what they've done and what they've achieved under Tuchel is fantastic. And Tuchel obviously doesn't, it doesn't make him like exempt from criticism. If you want to be critical of Tuchel, I think some of his subs have been questionable 
in recent weeks. As I said, I do not get I did not get subbing Alonso off for Sal against Everton. I didn't. Well, I haven't really spoken about it. Barkley for Loftus Cheek. I kind of got. We didn't have many options. Ruben wasn't having a great game, in my opinion. I kind of got that one, but Saul for Alonso, I didn't get, especially when you put Pulisic at left wing back. I'm thinking like, if you want to put Pulisic at left wing back, because he's not doing much at false nine, like genuinely, why don't you just play Alonso up top or play him further forward? He'd, he'd have done probably more than Saul against Everton. There's just been some subs I didn't get. And I said, even pod last week, I didn't agree with how late he brought on Lukaku against Leeds. He put him on, you know, we were going long against that game late on. When we were two one up, he brings him on when it's two all because we need a goal. He should have been bought on earlier. I, you know, that's the only thing I'm going to be really critical on on Tuchel with some of his subs. But then again, you know, at the same time, I think at points he's made subs. Some of these games we should have killed off or we should have been in control of. So that's why I still leads more of the players. But obviously, yeah, Tuchel's not not exempt, and he has made definitely. I have disagreed with some of the subs and the lateness of some of the subs he's made recent weeks are just trying to offer a bit of balance and, you know, not exempt Tuchel of like any criticism, but Tuchel really, for me, doesn't face a huge amount of criticism for, you know, or, you know, yeah, for, for the position we're in, because ultimately the players that are on the pitch are good enough to do a job most of the time and, and they've got to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this week of Chuck That Chelsea podcast. My voice is uh, sounding very croaky now, so I think it's a good time uh, to wrap up. I want to thank Jan for stepping in. Uh, Jan, before you go, give yourself one last plug where people can find you and the Chelsea Social. Thanks for having me, man. It's always a good laugh on, on here. Um, it's uh, very therapeutic because <laughs> I always seem to come on when we're not doing too well. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, it's been a great episode. Uh, everyone, make sure you do, um, you know, follow the that Chelsea pod on yeah. Twitter. And um, are you on anything else just out of interest? We're on Instagram, but I literally only use it to whack Kirby podcast up on the Instagram stories. I'm not very active on there. So right, just follow follow. but give us a follow on Instagram. I will, yeah. plug, my, I will plug myself at the end though, Jan. You're very kind. <laughs> no, I just wanted to, to, to raise that anyway. But um, I'm on at carefree underscore jam on uh, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Uh, obviously, I'm one of the co-owners of the Chelsea Social. So that's at the Chelsea Social on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also the, the women's team at the CFCW social on Twitter and Instagram and you can find us on YouTube uh, just put in the Chelsea social we're, we're on there um, so yeah thanks for having me man yeah no worries um, if you want to listen to the podcast for Chelsea social have started a podcast they released a podcast episode the other week I believe you know so I'm, I'm doing Jam's job for them so they thought <laughs> I forgot be Rob, about that that'll be Rob Tom Coley etc a few other people from Chelsea social doing a podcast so if you like us obviously we've had some of the Chelsea social people on so make sure you check them out whenever they do release episodes. And I said, you know, Chelsea women's team has said the Chelsea social guys will cover that as well. But if you want us to like an exclusive pod for that, make sure you check out a good friend of the show. Dean Mears went to Mo King's Meadow pod as well. Really great guys there. But yeah, as for us, we're on Twitter, I've actually spot on Instagram, at that just on all your usual podcast platform providers. If you like us, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That really goes a long way at the end of the day we are just Chelsea fans talking about the one club we love and it is very chaotic at Chelsea at the moment it is sort of unprecedented times it's December everything is going on but yeah just stay safe uh we're two nil down in the ashes I've got for a whole episode of not mentioned the cricket we're two nil down in the ashes so life ain't great at the moment uh you know obviously we don't know what the COVID situation here is in the UK we don't know if we're going to get locked down again uh we will have to wait and see what restrictions come in hopefully not too serious but anyway, you know, that doesn't stop you from listening to us. You can listen to us in the background, play us from a speaker wherever, tell your nan, tell everyone about us. Uh, 
yeah, until the next episode, everybody, uh, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.